Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast with Kevin Harrington and Seth Green. Kevin Harrington is the inventor of the infomercial, one of the original sharks from the hit TV show Shark Tank, and has generated over $5 billion in TV and digital direct response sales. Seth Green is the world's first trusted authority on cutting-edge direct response marketing, a best-selling author, and the only three-time Marketer of the Year nominee. On the podcast, Kevin and Seth interview sharkpreneurs who share straight talk on what it takes to explode your business. Do you want to become insanely successful? Do you want to be the go-to guru in your industry? Do you want to be talked about for all the right reasons? For over 40 years, Kevin Harrington has helped people just like you become significant influencers. Now he's broken the process down in the key person of influence roadmap, and it's yours for free. Just text KPI to him at 727-888-2100. Text KPI to 727-888-2100 right now and claim your free step-by-step guide. Text KPI to 727-888-2100 to get the recognition you deserve and experience the success as the go-to voice everyone listens to in your industry today. Welcome to Sharkpreneur. This is your co-host, Seth Green. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Sean and Lacey Dill. Amazing, amazing story coming up. Started struggling to make ends meet as a chiropractor um, in Costa Rica, of all places, has now, they've now grown together to over 16 franchised offices. The new book, None of Your Business, just came out about building a strong community, which is the first step towards a successful franchise. And we're going to hear about the rest of the steps. Dr. Sean Lacey, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Seth. It's a pleasure to be on the program with you. Thank you for sharing the space with us. Awesome. I am happy to. So for those folks who haven't read the book yet, and by the way, I mean, I read a book a day and I think I got yours done in a couple hours because I couldn't put it down because it was such a fascinating story. Um, Again, for the folks who haven't read it yet, let's go back in time a little bit. How did you get started? Well, and how do we get started in in our business? Yes. Well, you know, I think like most service professionals, when uh, we, both of us, uh, we weren't at school at the same time. I'm dating myself a little bit, quite a bit older (laughs) than Lacey. Just a little. you know, service professionals, when we go to school, we, we, we have this vision for changing the world, right? We, we're going we're gonna to change the world with what it is that we do. And I think like most service professionals, I got into practice my first year. I realized that, look, a service heart and a passion for changing the world wasn't going to put food on the table. And I realized that I really needed to um, strengthen my business skills if I was going to really have a lasting impact um, through the work that we do. Awesome. And I mean, you were literally knocking on doors, meeting, interrupting strangers, asking to passionately help them with their health and wellness, which is, I mean, I did the same thing, but I was selling investments. I imagine how much harder your sale was. Um, So that is absolutely incredible. What, when, when did you have your first breakthrough? When again, you realized it wasn't just about being good at what you do. It wasn't just about being passionate that there had to be a business and a system behind that? And how did you, the, your development of that first successful office come about? Well, you know, I, it was, you know, and, I, and maybe this is a, not a great thing to say, but I, I might be a slow learner here. It took me a year. So it was a year into practice. Um, I had maxed out every single credit card that I had. Um, I, was, I was struggling to make ends meet. And so I, I graduated in December of 1995. So it was December 1996. 
And, you know, all my friends, Christmas time, holiday time, New Year's Eve, and I literally didn't have enough money to eat. And here's what I did is, you know, being from the United States, um, you know, you'd buy, uh, you know, water, Coca-Cola, different products that came in plastic um, containers, and they had a, a, a refund, you know, they, they, you could return them. Well, I'm not used yeah, to that. Deposit. Yep. Yeah, the yeah, deposit. deposit. <laughs> so I was putting them on my porch because I didn't, you know, I, I wasn't going to return them. And things got so bad that in December, I put all of those bottles into trash bags and I went to the grocery store and I said, look, I want my deposit back. And they thought I was nuts. <laughs> they were like, what do you mean? You don't really get your deposit back. And I said, it says on the bottle here, I get, you know, 10 cents. <laughs> and they were like, well, we're not going to take all your bottles. We'll take, you know, 10 of them. And so literally I had to go to several grocery stores just to get enough money to buy one bag of beans, one bag of rice. And, and those two things had to last me for the two weeks because basically, look, in a Latin American country, they take off Christmas time, holiday time. Nobody was coming in and I had to get to January. And right then on, Chris, on, on New Year's Eve of 1996, I realized I needed to do something because I couldn't stay in that position any longer. Okay, so incredible story. Obviously, that's the rags part. We're going to get to the riches. Um, but first, we've got to get to the jewel. Lacey, how did you meet? So this is a really interesting story. So if we fast forward his move from Costa Rica, he was in Costa Rica for a total of eight years and had an extremely um, abundant and huge flourishing practice out there. Seeing After average, the beans and rice part. After yes. the beans <laughs> and rice, <laughs> ended up coming to the States and had to start from scratch. And so you can imagine the, I guess, the environment of Costa Rica and the States are very different when you're starting a healthcare business. And so Sean comes back to the States and I met him about six years, I think, maybe not that long, huh? We're so bad at dates. Maybe four years after he was here. And what happened was he took the model that he had built in Costa Rica and said, this is the only model that I know, so I'm going to do it here in the stage. So we have a all-cash practice. We don't deal with insurance. Our yeah. price point – yay! Thank you for that. We've seen the light. <laughs> Hallelujah. We seen, oh, we've seen it over and over and over. And then um, we have a very high, uh, I guess, price – um, compared to most chiropractors, yay! Two for two. <laughs> and people looked at that model and said, "I want to be part of that." But here's the thing: the same systems and infrastructure that worked in Costa Rica didn't necessarily completely translate over here into the state. Slightly different legal and regulatory environments. <laughs> Just a smidge. And let me tell you, we have learned that the hard way. I always say, you know, any entrepreneur can relate. We're here from the government. We're here to help you. (laughs) Help you, right? (laughs) And isn't that funny? Because you, I would say that we did everything wrong to learn how to do it right. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. Absolutely. And that's the journey that we had. And so we actually had another rag story when we met up because he was starting from scratch. I had graduated chiropractic school with tons of loan debt. And here we are starting this business, trying to launch a franchise and back to a 625 square foot apartment with two kids. Oh, and wow. so 
back to, it wasn't rice and beans. I was a top ramen fan. I was going to say, when you said rice and beans, I wanted to ask what happened to ramen noodles, but maybe they don't have them in Costa Rica. No, no. They have, they have them here, though. They worked well in the States, but again, you know, built it from there and kind of the same drive, passion, and understanding that a business does need infrastructure and systems to actually scale was, you know, what we were focused on when we were building. All right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back in time one more time, and, and, and then we'll go to the future. So ha, you built, and forgive my ignorance of the cultural and financial and socioeconomic aspects of Costa Rica, but you built a premium-priced cash practice in a country that I believe stereotypically isn't necessarily known for that type of thing. Right. Yeah, and, and you know, let's... Th- this How did is, you let's... convert the population who might have been thinking, I'm used to paying... small amounts of money with insurance, if that, for chiropractic care to say, oh, no, you're paying me cash and you're paying me well. Well, the healthcare model in Costa Rica is is a socialist model. So basically no insurance other than the government pays for all of their health care needs. So there's two models. There's the, 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 the socialized medicines part of the practice. And then there's all the private practice. So basically they, they know that anybody that's in private practice, you're going to have to pay a premium for when I moved to Costa Rica, I was 24 and literally basically chiropractic didn't exist in the country. And one of the things that, you know, an experience, a life experience that I've had is, you know, in my twenties, I actually wrote the law that regulates chiropractic in the country of Costa Rica still to this day. So I wrote the law and lobbied for its passage in my 20s, which, you know, looking back at it, that was probably a nuts thing to do, right? Like going out and doing that. But because chiropractic really didn't exist, one of the things that I think is important is that people really do have money for the things that they want. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter if they're, if you're a third world country, you know, even in Costa Rica, look, there's plenty of Mercedes and BMWs and very nice cars on the street there. And, you know, the guy might get out of it wearing, you know, know, the cheap rag clothes, but they have money for what they really want. And I think that, you know, in most, in most surveys, when you survey people, top three, you know, desires, financial abundance, relationships, and health. Mm-hmm. And so, look, you know, understanding that and, and speaking a message of, look, there's a way that we can help you. You're going to have to pay for it, but the results are going to be worth it. If it's worth it to you, this is what it looks like to engage with us. Um, I learned that simple sales message really early on. That was one of the things that just kind of helped me. And I will tell you, I've got to, I've got to admit, one of the things that propelled the practice is I caught a lucky, lucky break getting on television. Well, this is my favorite story. Well, I, 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 book, I, folks, it's fascinating. So, so the first time that I go on television, I, I didn't speak Spanish very well. I was 24. I knew everything. You know, why do you need Spanish in a country that that's their primary language? So I go there not. and I get invited on TV. And, you know, it's much like this, right? So, you know, coming on to an interview, you know, there's certain questions that they're going to ask. And so if I was doing this in, in not my native language, I would have prepped a couple of potential answers to your questions. And so that's what I did. I figured they're going to ask me some questions. I wrote the answers down in Spanish. I memorized the answers. And the very first question that they asked me was, Sean, um, I know that the listeners can't see me. I, my, my, my ethnicity is I'm half Japanese. So the presenter says, Sean, you look a little bit Asian. What's the difference between chiropractic and acupuncture? Well, I I didn't expect them to ask me that at all. Why are they asking me about acupuncture? And so what I did is I just answered my response. Every great politician does. It doesn't matter. This is what I'm going to say. I'm glad you asked and I want to talk about something else. Exactly. (laughs) And so they thought like something was really wrong with me. 
Um, and so I left that show and I was like, oh my gosh, we blew it. That's it. And they invited me back. And upon my leaving, there was a going away party and the host of that television program, I had become very close with her. She said to me, look, the first time you came on the program, I had no idea what you were saying, but I could see in your eyes that you had an important message. And I think that's something that's super important. Look, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of instruction and strategy out there in marketing and sales, but you've got to have that passion. Like they've got to be able to see it in your eyes that you really deeply care and that you have something to say. And she said, so when you left that place, when you left the studio, I looked at the producers and I said, get them back. And they thought I was nuts, but I said, get them back and keep bringing them back until he gets it right. That is awesome and obviously life-changing for you and, and rocket fuel for the growth. So then you come to the U.S., you start over, you build, eventually figure out the quote-unquote right legal way to build a premium cash practice in the U.S., um, build the systems to make it work so that you're not doing a million visits a day because obviously there's only so many hours in the day, even right. though there are two of you. And you build it so that other docs, other people can run it and do it without you. Um, when did you get the idea to franchise? And obviously, that's another whole set of regulatory hurdles to go through, especially even worse in the healthcare space. Talk a little bit about that, if you both would. Yeah, that was kind of kind of you, Lacey. They, they... Yeah, honestly, that, that took us a lot longer than we anticipated. I think when you're navigating waters that you've never been in before, you have an expectation of how long things will take. And so <laughs> fast forward, I think we're about, uh, gosh, at this point, six years in, and we have a lot of offices on board, and we're really building this model. One of the things that we did first, even before we decided to franchise, would, was make sure that we had solid infrastructure. One of our big platforms is infrastructure before growth, because we've seen a lot of companies collapse and fall apart because they grew too Grow quickly too and they didn't Couldn't have the infrastructure yep. in place, right? You can, I'm, people see that all the time. So we said we need to create the infrastructure before we franchise. So it took a little while, of course. And then we decided to go down the franchise road. The amount that we thought it was going to cost and the time that we thought it was going to zero on the end, baby. Oh boy. It was like when you go get a build out, like you build a house or you get build out an office, office. (laughs) you know, you think it's going to take a certain amount of time. Double the price. That's right. That's about what happened. If it was a, what we realized far down the road, I mean, if we were selling hamburgers (laughs) and we were creating a hamburger franchise, man, this would have been a breeze. Yes. But, Creating a franchise model in the healthcare world was really um, difficult. And, and there's only, I mean, it's not like you have 27 fast food places to follow. There's right. only a couple of franchises in chiropractic at all. Right. And on I top mean, of that- I know all, like three of them and you're number three. Right. And on top of that, we all of our offices were not in the same state. So now so you're- you have regulatory t- issues statewide to, in different exactly. states too. Exactly. Yeah, I think too, you know- and that, you were that smart was... enough to not come to New York first, so that's helpful. Oh right? my gosh! Oh my gosh! I can't oh, even. Well, we, we, were, we were in world. California. We picked the second hardest place right, to be. Right, right. <laughs> Only place with better, ta- with worse taxes than us, but you got better weather. Yes, <laughs> yes. Enough. And and you know they, the the regulations there. You know that was something. You know, as Lacey was saying, we're going into uncharted waters, and frankly you're not prepared for that, right? And, and you don't know all of the nuances that you're going to encounter. And, and, and the, you don't have any idea what the route is to get out of it. And so, you know, legal bills mounting up. And again, it's just, 
I think that's one of the things too, as an entrepreneur, you're a visionary. You don't mind taking that risk. And at the end, it ended up being worth it. Yeah. All right. So talk a little, so you built out the systems, you decide to franchise, you've gone now, I believe you're at 16 locations now. And uh, what prompted you to write the book? Well, you know what? It's an interesting thing. It kind of goes back, and this is my, um, my guilty admission here. I'm a, I'm a big fan of reality shows. And uh, there was a reality show that was many, many, many years ago that followed. It, 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 was, um, it was an NBC show, and it followed a, a chef. And the chef was opening a restaurant, and they were, they were following as a celebrity chef, and they're following the, the journey. And, and I don't think that the, the show ended as the producers anticipated. What ends up happening is that the, the restaurant's in financial trouble. It's actually a restaurant. It was, it was in New York. And the investors are saying, look, basically, we're going to have to get another chef or you're going to have to buy us out. And that was how the thing ended. And one of the things I realized is, look, in the service world, you know, uh, from culinary art schools, um, every chef desires to own their own restaurant. But they don't teach you how. And it was right. glaringly evident in that reality show. They don't teach you how to run a restaurant. You know, every, every lawyer desires to own their own firm. Every hairstylist desires to own their own right? Spot, right? Mm -hmm. And so we saw this, and especially in our world in healthcare, oh my gosh, we realized that, you know, through our travels, probably the best clinicians in the world are unknown. You know, they, they're, 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 they have such great skill and nobody knows who they are because they're struggling to make ends meet. That's the impetus for the book. We want the talented, skilled artists of this world, the service providers that have actually the ability to change the world, to fall in love with the idea of having a strong and healthy business so that they can reach more people. Awesome. Dr. Lacey, you've done a lot of this together. Talk about how that affects your personal relationship and how you balance the roller coaster entrepreneurial journey and financial journey. And it's one thing if only one spouse is going through it and the other one is just trying to support them emotionally while not freaking out financially. How do you do that when you're at work all day together too? Oh, Seth, that's a great question. <laughs> so first I got to start with, you know, um, it took me a long time to realize that balance is overrated. <laughs> no I mean, what, yeah. you know, one of those things is, you know, and, Everybody says, oh, I want to have balance in my life. I want to have balance in my life. And I understand the concept, but I think it's like a long-term strategy thing. I want to have balance over my lifetime. And one of the things is, is Sean and I realized very early on that we shared the same passion and the same vision for what we were trying to achieve. And any successful entrepreneur that you meet that has a passion and a vision that you meet, you meet them and you get behind that and you can feel that in them, like you immediately connect with them. And that's how we were. We connected very early on. And you know that that passion and that drive is what keeps them going to be successful. So because I think that we share that, we were, we're able to navigate those waters together. But I got to tell you, it's not easy all the time. There has been a lot of ups and downs. Everything from learning the who does what in the business to the who does what in the household. I mean, we didn't just come out of it and understand how to do that. We had to learn over time that these were components of our life that we needed to figure out to make this thing work. And so we've worked really hard on that. And it's, it's funny that you ask that because people ask us that question all the time and they want to know, how do you guys do it? I want to add one more thing that I think has been super powerful for us and the people that we coach and consult with is you know, even though we share one same vision, Sean and I individually have our own visions. 
And we work really hard instead of trying to compromise to actually support each other on those own individual visions because they're ultimately going to achieve the bigger picture. That's really good. That's what gets us through. I like that a lot. That's very helpful for myself and our listeners, (laughs) I'm sure. All right. So you built the systems originally probably to get one practice running like a well-oiled machine. Talk about how they've evolved to handle the growth of 16 and then talk about where you want to take this from here. We look from... From an evolution standpoint, and especially, you know, our emphasis is in the, in the service provider world. And a lot of what service providers do get centered around them as an individual. And so I think a lot of the evolutions of the systems have to do with moving them from being individualistic to being more generic. It has to be a system that will work regardless of the individual. So sometimes, you know, things work well because you're very dynamic or because you have a way with words or, you know, you have a, you know, great bedside manner and it's not going to work that well for the next individual who doesn't have that exact same personality. So we've had to work very hard on making systems that were basically plug and play and it didn't matter who the individual was that's in it. Now, at the same time, you have to balance that, though, because there are, they are still individuals. The doctors are individuals, and they get along with some people better than others. They are, you know, do better work with some people. They have different specialties. And so there's a fine balance in kind of creating a system that kind of sits right on that edge between that individualism, but also a system that will work regardless of, of who it is. And so you know, revamping our marketing, um, our scripting, our sales systems, our referral strategies, all of those so that it would basically fit regardless of who the person was that was there. I think that was the biggest change is, is de-individualizing the systems to go into more of a scale opportunity. Yeah, I would add to that too, that we created a phenomenal culture within our group to where they allow us to, to test out these systems that were evolving and changing and they're completely on board with it. So I think that's a big thing when you're scaling a business and you're working with a lot of individuals, you know, making sure that the culture is correct to allow you to evolve those things. That's been really big for us. That makes a lot of sense. Now, uh, one more question. I know your time is valuable and then we'll wrap up. So 16 locations, obviously that's helping a lot of people. You've got a large ripple effect in terms of the patients that you're seeing. How are you marketing the clinics and how are you marketing the franchise opportunity? Well, our, our approach up to this point, and, and this was sort of in our infancy, because we do something that's quite unique, the approach is unique, we, um, were, we were targeting specifically through the chiropractic colleges. And a, an arm of our business teaches this particular technique. We pr- practice a technique that's called upper cervical specific chiropractic. It focuses on the top two bones of the neck. So not all chiropractors know how to do this. So what we were doing is we were focusing our emphasis into the colleges to train them on this technique and then allocating that human resource into existing practices as what's in in our world is called an associate. And then once they were trained, leveraging that to then create the, the, the next level or the growth of the units. Um, you know, through our coaching, our mentors, we've now begun the process of, of getting more of that word out and we're going more into looking at having investors come in. However, I'm sure as, as you would know, based off of the questions that you've asked, that presents a unique challenge in the franchise um, agreement because an unlicensed individual has a hard time owning a, a, a healthcare clinic. And so that's the sort of the, the waters that we're navigating there. I was going to say, is your next plan to bring in a medical doc to each clinic and then... 
Well, there's other, other structures that, that are used in sort of in the pharmacy world, um, in the dental world, and that just requires a new layer then of legal um, yeah. that would be laid on top of that franchise agreement that would allow outside investment. Uh, we've begun work outside of our field, and that was another impetus for the book. Uh, we do an event every year called Summer Camp. This year, we're having this coming up in June. Um, we have great speakers like Jay Abraham, Roger Love, uh, Jia Zhang, these speakers that come in that are getting us exposure, exposure outside of the chiropractic world as we look to grow to bring in money. Ultimately, our vision is to create access. Um, we, don't, we don't think that every person, like what we do is necessarily even for every person because of our business model, but we want every person on the planet. And so we do have some expansion plans in New Mexico and the Philippines currently, but we want every person on the planet to at least have access to this type of care should they want it. So that's the vision where we would like to get. Incredible. All right, uh, Dr. Sean, Dr. Lacey, um, fantastic story. Absolutely inspiring and incredible. The book, None of Your Business, where can our listeners and our viewers go to get it? It's right now, it's on Amazon. It's trending. We are super happy in our first week. We uh, hit bestseller status in a couple categories in business. And so we've been super blessed by all of the support for the book. And you know, even people like you, we super appreciate you having us on the program. Of course, we will send everyone to Amazon to go get a copy of None of Your Business. I've already read it. It's an awesome book and well worth it. Well worth the minimal investment that they, I'm sure they are asking for. You could put a zero on the end. It would still be a bargain. Dr. Sean, Dr. Lacey, thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you. We you appreciate that. you. Thank you so much. Do you need money to fund your idea, product, or service? Are you ready to take your business to the next level but need capital to get it done? Kevin Harrington has heard more than 50,000 pitches and knows how to help you make the perfect pitch to get the funding for your entrepreneurial dream. He's distilled the process down in his perfect pitch cheat sheet, and it's yours for free. Just text PITCH to him right now at 727-888-2100. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 right now and claim your free Perfect Pitch Cheat Sheet. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 to start funding your dream today. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.